This podcast is intended as general information only and is not to be relied upon as legal, financial, or professional advice. A professional advisor should be consulted regarding your specific situation. It is also not an offer to sell or purchase Edgepoint Investment Funds. Hello, everyone. My name is Juan Gomez, partner at Edgepoint. Today, I'm joined by George Julius, member of the investment team, Raptors truther, and expert on the Toronto culinary scene. Thanks for taking the time to talk about your commentary, why we stay calm in the face of uncertainty. So, what was your goal when you wrote it? Thanks for having me, Juan. Mostly in this commentary, I wanted to talk about why macro investing has never been our thing, and more importantly, why we're happy with that. On the investment team, we follow the news and have opinions on current affairs, but we rarely have a unique insight on the topic du jour that leads to an investment. Instead of focusing on macro stuff, we achieve our results by taking a business person's approach to investing. We're always looking out for well-managed businesses with sustainable competitive advantages that can grow. I think a lot of managers would tell you this. Where we are most differentiated in our approach is we only invest in these businesses during opportune times when we believe we're not paying for this growth. Typically, it's during periods of high uncertainty that we see an opportunity to buy growth without paying for it. The most attractive opportunities often appear in businesses with fundamentals that are tangential to the overarching market concerns. However, any business identified has a unique prospect that we believe will allow the company to grow despite the uncertainty. We refer to these businesses as non-obvious survivors. Throughout Edgepoint's history, investing in non-obvious survivors has been a key to achieving our investment results. Near the end of last quarter and into the first quarter of 2022, Edgepoint Global Portfolio declined by nearly 13%. What we did within the portfolio this time isn't different from previous drops. In particular, we've made a handful of new investments in what we believe are non-obvious survivors. You start off the commentary highlighting six periods of significant decline in the global portfolio before the one that just ended last month. Could you give some more context about what was going on in the market during those times and examples of a non-obvious survivor that the investment team found? Let's start at the beginning. The first decline happened in early 2009, a few months after Symbria was first listed on the TSX and the first Edgepoint portfolios were launched. It was almost 14 years ago, but the global financial crisis is an event that will forever be etched in everyone's mind. Negative implications weren't limited to the financial sector. High unemployment hit many families and hurt consumer confidence. One of the worst hit industries was the auto sector. In February 2007, before the onset of the financial crisis, U.S. consumers were on pace to purchase 17 million cars. By February 2009, consumers curtailed their auto purchases and annual sales were set to decline by 50% to 9 million vehicles. Edgepoint didn't have a unique insight into how the auto sales would look short term. However, one company in the sector stood out, BorgWarner, a leading producer of advanced powertrain technologies that improve fuel economy and reduce car emissions. Consumers were looking for improved fuel economy given high energy prices, plus governments were placing stringent emission requirements on vehicles. We believed auto manufacturers would turn to suppliers like BorgWarner to address these two trends, irrespective of total auto sales. BorgWarner had a significant lead as it takes about 6-10 to 10 years to develop new powertrains and get them into vehicles. We believe the fuel efficiency and emission trends combined with technological advantages and existing relationships with manufacturers would allow BorgWarner to grow in a challenging environment for new car sales. Despite a sales decline in 2009 due to falling auto production, BorgWarner remained profitable and solidified our view that it would be a survivor. What wasn't obvious was BorgWarner's growth potential during the recovery as fuel efficiency and emission reduction trends took hold. 2010 U.S. auto sales were still about 30% below 2007 levels, but a proprietary insight into BorgWarner's growth let us buy the business to take advantage before its 2010 profits surpassed those from 2007. Analyst estimates for 2011 profits were nearly double what the company earned in 2007. 
We exited BorgWarner in 2010 as this non-obvious survivor became evident, earning a good return and creating value for EdgePoint unit holders. It's amazing that EdgePoint and Symbria would launch in the middle of the financial crisis, but I'm sure the investment team enjoyed the opportunities. So what did they do in 2010 when the sovereign debt crisis was unfolding? Well, the global financial crisis was especially challenging for the Eurozone. In addition to failing banks and rapidly declining asset prices, several European countries were on the brink of bankruptcy. The actual debt crisis started when a new Greek government revealed that the previous governments had misrepresented budget data. Other European countries, like Ireland, Portugal, Spain, and Germany, had higher than expected debt levels and further eroded investor confidence. Concerns negatively impacted the equity markets, and by June 2010, the MSCI World Index dropped by 11% in just two months. European businesses were hit even harder. During this period, the EdgePoint investment team came across Tognum, a German company that we believe would be able to grow regardless of the economic challenges. Tognum is a market-leading off-highway diesel engine manufacturer, selling engines and service parts across several industries. On the surface, Tognum appeared to be a highly cyclical engine manufacturer, but we estimated that 50% of Tognum's revenues were non-cyclical, tied to a long-term defense contracts, products that had multi-year backlogs, or stable aftermarket sales. At a macro level, being optimistic about the outlook for new engine orders was difficult. Fortunately, we saw an opportunity to increase Tognum's after-sales revenues. With an estimated 400,000 engines in service, Tognum only sold after-sales parts to 30% of this fleet. We believe they could double this, as well as enhance margins through a greater insourcing opportunity. Ten months after acquiring shares in Tognum, Rolls-Royce also saw the opportunity that we identified earlier and acquired the company for a premium. Thanks, George. I appreciate the explanation of the ex proprietary insight behind that business. Could you talk to us about what EdgePoint was doing during the Eurozone crisis? Sure. By 2011, the European sovereign debt crisis became a full-fledged Eurozone crisis. On the surface, this would seem like a bad time to hold Ryanair, the leading European low-cost airline. It was already a core EdgePoint position, and over the year, Ryanair's share price dropped about 25% from its peak. We saw this as an opportunity to add to our position. We believe Ryanair would come out on top in the European transport space. Its strong balance sheet and low cost would allow it to take considerable share from over-leveraged legacy airline peers during the economic downturn. Owning an airline during a financial crisis didn't appear obvious. Even more non-obvious were the fare declines Ryanair was implementing to take advantage of weakened competitors in core European markets. We believe investors didn't appreciate the benefit that would accrue to Ryanair from lower competition in the future. Europe and the travel industry eventually emerged from the crisis. Due to this pursuit of long-term profits over short-term ones, Ryanair benefited disproportionately in the recovery. In turn, EdgePoint unit holders' patience was met with pleasing returns from Ryanair. So with three big drops in as many years, it shows why EdgePoint believes it's so important to partner with like-minded advisors and investors who think long-term. After four years of relative calm, what did the investment team do with the uncertainty in mid-2015? At the time, China and other emerging markets were decelerating and commodity prices began to tumble. Additionally, Brexit and Donald Trump's election added to market concerns. By February 2016, the MSCI World Index declined 11% on fears of another global recession. Because of this challenging backdrop, EdgePoint was able to find a variety of different non-obvious ideas with considerable growth potential without having to pay for that growth. An example was Arista Networks, a leading supplier of cloud networking solutions. IT spending across enterprises was slowing, and Arista's share price fell over 30% between 2015 and 2016. We were convinced that Arista's growth would slow. Its revenues were growing by more than 40% when we first bought shares in 2015, and we believe strong growth prospects was ahead for Arista as companies migrated away from traditional data centers to cloud networks. Supplying cloud networking solutions is very different from legacy ones, and Arista had an insurmountable lead. 
While IT spending may have been slowing, it was non-obvious that organizations of all sizes were adopting cloud architectures, resulting in cloud networking seeing unparalleled growth. The decline from short-term concerns created significant volatility in Arista's shares, but we saw the short-term volatility as an opportunity and dramatically increased our position. EdgePoint unit holders who embraced a long-term business person's mindset benefited as market uncertainty subsided and Arista's strong fundamentals moved to the forefront. It seems by looking out a little further, the team was able to capitalize on the market's fear about a lack of short-term earnings. That volatility lasted for over half a year, but the drop at the end of 2018 only lasted four months. What happened then? After 2016, the market found renewed optimism in the back half of the year and cheered through 2017 as U.S. President Donald Trump signed a sweeping new tax overhaul that propelled equity markets higher. However, coming into 2018, concerns over inflation from an overheating economy and trade tensions between the U.S. and China pushed the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield to a 7-year high of over 3%. The MSCI World Index dropped by nearly 10% in the fourth quarter of 2018, marking the worst fourth quarter since the financial crisis. This correction allowed us to find an opportunity to invest in Crown Holdings, a leading metal packaging company. On the surface, Crown didn't appear to be the type of business you'd want to own in an inflationary rising rate environment. Historically, organic growth was tepid given the maturity of beverage and food consumption, and Crown didn't have much bargaining power with its customers. In addition, Crown announced a debt-financed acquisition of a cyclical packaging business at the end of 2017. Low growth, lack of pricing power, increased cyclicality, and leverage are generally a bad concoction going into a potential slowdown. However, we believe many of these concerns were in the rearview mirror. Beverage can market share was set to rapidly increase based on consumer preferences for its durability and infinite recyclability. Sparkling waters and seltzers were the fastest growing beverage can categories, and metal cans benefited from this trend. Moreover, new brand entrants further diversified Crown's customer base, giving the company more bargaining power. We believe these factors would allow Crown to increase prices above inflation. We also saw Crown being highly cash generative under any economic scenario, meaning its high debt level wasn't a concern and could be serviced with internally generated cash flows. Crown's fundamentals started inflecting in 2019 with evidence of volume growth and pricing power. Patience and conviction in our non-obvious survivor approach ultimately benefited EdgePoint unit holders. Over the next two years, Crown's business experienced a full perception change into a secularly growing, sustainable packaging company, and our proprietary thesis became obvious to the market. Well, hearing about that made me thirsty. and I definitely owe you a drink for all the time you've given us. I know you talked about the companies the investment team found during the COVID drop in 2020 in last year's commentary, but what does hindsight tell you about them a year later? Generally, the opportunities we saw all experienced dramatic share price declines. However, for the businesses we identified, we believe that the disruptions brought on by the pandemic would be temporary and manageable. We also had a view that wasn't widely shared by others for how these businesses could grow over the long term. Thus far, the fundamentals and the share prices of these businesses have performed well for us. We exited the positions of the ideas that have become obvious while we remain holders of the businesses that continue to be non-obvious for now. Thanks so much, George. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? Thanks, Juan. I think I'll just sign off by saying investing during periods of uncertainty is nothing new for the EdgePoint investment team. We don't know how all the macro challenges will play out, but our investment approach does not require us to. In our approach, during periods of uncertainty, we seek to invest in businesses that we deem non-obvious survivors. As a result, our approach has historically worked best following periods of uncertainty. We expect the periods following the first quarter of 2022 to be no different. During these first three months of 2022, we made a handful of investments in what we believe are non-obvious survivors. While we don't know when these ideas will become obvious to the market, 
we remain highly convinced of our portfolio's prospects over the long term. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. This is not an endorsement or recommendation of any security. Edgepoint Investment Group may be buying or selling positions in securities mentioned. No endorsement of any third parties or their advice, opinions, information, products, or services is expressly given or implied by Edgepoint Investment Group. This podcast contains certain statements that may be deemed forward-looking, Please note that any such statements are not guarantees of any future performance results, and the actual results or market developments may differ materially from these statements. The whole or any parts of this podcast may not be reproduced, copied, transmitted, or disclosed to third parties without the consent of Edgepoint Investment Group.